Welcome to the Classic Holdup Podcast, where we analyze media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up? Hello and welcome to the Classic Holdup. I am this episode's host, Nick Flores. I'm a junior here at Michigan State University studying digital storytelling with an audio concentration. Today, I am discussing the album Smash by The Offspring. It's the group's third album, released in 1994, following the relative success of their albums Ignition and The Offspring, self-titled. The hit album is a six-time platinum certified and has sold over 12 million copies. It features some of The Offspring's most famous songs like Come Out and Play, Gotta Get Away, and the immensely popular Self-Esteem, one of my favorite songs of all time. This album is generally considered one of the band's best and is the best-selling album off of an independent label of all time. Smash also marked the start of some of The Offspring's signature quirks, like hidden tracks tucked away at the end of some albums and short comedic spoken word transitions transition tracks like Time to Relax. The Offspring stood as one of the premier punk rock bands of the 90s, largely due to the success of the Smash album and its distinct, dirty style and intriguing songs, with some credit with bringing punk rock into the mainstream, an honor that is often split between The Offspring and Green Day, who were, at the time at least, signed with the larger, the much larger Warner Brothers label. Unlike The Offspring, who were signed with the independent Epitaph record label. The success of Smash, Smash garnered enough attention to get the band invited to talk shows and even Saturday, Saturday Night Live, although they didn't visit a talk show until after their Day Go, Days Go By album, several years later. And they even turned down SNL's offer because they didn't think they were good enough for some reason. Personally, The Offspring is one of my favorite bands ever. I started listening when I was in middle school, right after I first heard the song Hit That, which is admittedly not their best song, and I uh, never really looked back. Jumping forward to 2020, I listened to the entire Offspring catalog and the Smash album. Now, while it's not my my personal favorite, it stands out as the album that really defines The Offspring and pioneered their best-sounding era, and is basically the reason they are as popular of a band and as good as they are today. In a musical landscape dominated by grunge, alternative music, and hip-hop that followed after the end of the glam and hair metal era of the 90s, or of the 80s, and the slowing down of pop stars like Michael Jackson and Madonna, Smash's unique sounds and punky aesthetic capitalized on the headway made by underground bands like Nirvana to break into the mainstream and find success unheard of at the time for a punk rock band let alone one that was with an independent label like Epitaph. With Come Out and Play and Self-Esteem becoming mainstays on MTV and radio stations across the country, this success also helped bolster many smaller record stores that had been selling The Offspring's albums, leading to the further success of other smaller and independent bands associated with them and Epitaph Records.
Joining me today to discuss this is an avid music enjoyer and one of my personal best friends, Griffin Turner. Say hi. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Griffin. I'm also a junior here at Michigan State University. I am studying supply chain management, and I love music. Now, I know you don't really listen to The Offspring very often, but you are familiar with Smash, right? Yeah, that's the only album I've heard of theirs in full, and it is an album that I really do enjoy. Nice. Now, when the album came out, it was propelled to just outside the top 10 best-selling albums for that year, I think like number 11 or something, and is top 200 all-time music albums in terms of sales with about 12 million total units sold. So I'd say it was received pretty positively, yeah? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially for like an independent label and everything. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it kind of makes sense with like the whole musical aesthetic of the time. The grunge that had been popular just the, well at the time, but also like in the years prior, ever since Nevermind came out. Yeah, people liked like that uh, dirty underground sound. Yeah, for sure. But with like the more like clean pop production. Yeah. Like this reminds me, like the songwriting doesn't really remind me of Nevermind or anything, but the production on this album reminds me of Nevermind a lot. The whole, you know, the punky like guitars with distort, like distortion and stuff, but the very clean production where the vocals really pop out. The bass drum is really strong, and the yeah, like I said, the guitars are distorted, but they're still like panned correctly. You can you can kind of hear what's going on in the mix, right? Yeah, I think I remember hearing or reading somewhere that well while making Smash or before making Smash, um, the first two albums they didn't have like very good equipment, so when they got some of the money after those albums, which were like did decent for an independent punk band um they used that music i think to get like an amp and some better instruments or something so that definitely makes sense that like their project their production as a whole would be way better than previously especially yeah yeah i mean from what i've heard of their first two albums which isn't a lot i've heard only heard it from you but the um they sound they are sound more like 80s punk than like smash sounds like a very I don't know if I'd go as far to classify it as pop punk, but it is very much in that realm, like the whole Green Day yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, I think their first album did come out like late 80s. So, yeah, it checks out. Yeah, it, from what I've heard, it's, it sounded very much like Misfits. Nice. Now, um, now when looking back upon Smash, you you know, you think of the hits like you do with all like old music. Um, and self-esteem lands as a very relatable look at like relationships and the whole relationship between being alone versus being used and how relationships can play out and come out and play also you know hits now more than ever with like it's discu- it's depictions of gun violence in schools and lyrics like it goes down the same as the thousand before and no one's getting smarter no one's learning the score what do you think about that yeah that makes a lot of sense especially now when you think about this album isn't, it's not quite 30 years old yet, but it, it's approaching that landmark. And it's, that's still a problem. That's like bigger than ever. Right. That's not, not very pleasant to think about, but yeah, yeah it's still very relevant. In fact, it's probably even more relevant than when it came out. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Now, do you think this album would do good if it came out today? Cause like personally, I think, you know, with what we just talked about, like the politics of everything, um, I do think the message resonates pretty powerfully, although I don't know if modern audiences are quite as big of fans of the dirtier, punky sounds of, like, the 90s 
to make it popular outside of punk rock circles? Yeah, well, I think it would probably be, I, I think it would be a hit. I think it would be an underground hit. I think it would definitely get some attention. Definitely not from like me. It wouldn't get mainstream radio play or right. anything because it's that music, it just doesn't get that kind of attention. But um, I think definitely in like underground circles that are very much still alive, it would get some attention. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't have like the same penetration as because like the radio stations is all just like not to not to drag on radio people or anything, but like a lot of it's like the same billboard toppers. You know, it's not my personal thing, so. Yeah, but even and even um, even like music that does get popular like through streaming and stuff like that, that's usually more like hip. We're seeing like a lot of hip hop stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I I know on Spotify they make all of those like uh, genre like big playlists like rap caviar and everything, and I know they push rap caviar a lot more than I don't even know if there is a punk one. <laughs> I, there is probably a punk. Yeah, they, probably, they, there yeah. Is, they actually have a ton of playlists. Spotify yeah. makes a lot of playlists. So they're definitely punk ones. It's just, you know, they're, they're not, like, advertised. Yeah, it definitely speaks to that, like, the music culture. Like, they're definitely going to push the uh, hip-hop mm-hmm. ones, rap, caviar, yeah. more than, like, the punk ones. And I listen to punk music a fair amount, and I have never, like, found or listened to that playlist, although I haven't looked for it too much either. Yeah. <laughs> a bit off topic, but do you... um. Did you hear about the whole Drake thing that happened on the Spotify playlist thing? No, what? Back in 2018, they when they were really pushing Drake's album that had came out at the time, Scorpion, they um had added like his music to like every playlist that they had across like old genres, and this included like ambient music, and I think it probably showed up in the punk one as well. I'm sure, <laughs> like people were, there were there were Drake tra- tracks in the ambient playlist, and it was a whole thing just because it's just like. That the whole the whole industry is kind of just like messed up because they really push certain artists because they, those artists and their labels are paying a lot of money. Yeah, and like yeah. Offspring, who are are they still on in that same label, independent label? Do you know? No, I think they're with Columbia Records now. All right, well now they might get some more push now, but like still though, like it's like the big they're huge artists right now who are have a lot of money and have all, the labels backing them. They kind of are getting all the attention, so I don't think a punk band like Offspring could really get the same attention. Right. In yeah. this current climate than they could in the nineties. Right, yeah. Especially now that like M T V and everything's not really like music videos, which is where like a bunch of like you yeah, know, M- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about M T V. Yeah, that was a big part of the whole rock. Like both actually metal, hard rock, punk, all that had music in the nineties. Yeah. M T V was a huge part of that. Now no one watches M P T V, but if yeah. you, I've turned it on before just to see what it's like and it's just this weird like reality T V channel. It's yeah. very strange. <laughs> Yeah, going back to how it would do, um, looking forward, I think that like if certain modern issues touched on in the album don't get fixed, I think it'll at least this album specifically at least will continue to be relevant because like you know as long as there's something to be mad about, punk music is gonna stick around. Yeah, and you know there's something to be mad about. Yeah, for sure. My name is Jack Steadman. My name is Genevieve Rose. My name is Trey Mullen. When I complete my degree, 
I want to continue doing video and audio production. I want to be an editor. I want to create music videos and content for large music artists. My name is Jack Stedron. My name is Genevieve Rose. My name is Trey Mullen, and, and I, I am ComArtSci. Start your journey at comartsci.msu.edu. Also, something like kind of random, but super kind of cool. Um, Dexter Holland, the lead singer of The Offspring, and of course the main, one of the main guys behind Smash, has a PhD in microbiology. Yeah, no, I read that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was it was molecular biology actually. I don't know. If it yeah, was, it's, I think it's molecular molecular <laughs> molecular biology. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think about. I think you you mentioned off off um camera that you said the um that he was in the army at one point. Is yeah, that? he was in the army at some point. I think that may have been before his first album or after. I don't remember. Um, he was in the army and he's he has a PhD and. From what I just read about it, because I had to look it up, um, he did his his thesis on HIV. So like, good on him. He's yeah. he's doing good. Busy guy. Yeah, yeah. So transitioning from that, um, Griffin, what do you think about Smash? I I really like the album. It is a very good album. I don't listen to a whole lot of when I listen to '90s music. I usually listen to the aforementioned like the grunge, like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, right. yeah. stuff like that. But when I, like, Offspring, especially the Smash album, probably my favorite of that whole pop punk scene. Like, I I kind of, I like some Green Day songs, but I much prefer this album than yeah. anything I've heard from Green yeah. Day. I prefer this a lot more than anything I've heard from Blink-182. So in that, like, whole scene, Offspring is definitely my favorite right. band that I've heard. Yeah. Something I just realized, um, punk rock bands, or at least the big ones from, like, the 90s, all have, like, very distinct like vocals right like you know um green day i don't remember his exact name his exact name but he has billy, like right billy billy maybe something billy. but he has that like distinct like higher nasally voice and dexter mm-hmm. holland's got his voice i'm not mm-hmm. in- entirely sure how to describe it almost raspy maybe sort of yeah i i know what you mean i don't know how to describe it though yeah it's very like unique and sort of i guess a signature of the genre almost it's mm-hmm. kind of cool to think about yeah. Now, um, of the songs in the album, which ones were like your favorite? Which ones, or were there any that you didn't like too? Well, there's none I don't like, but I definitely think the first half is stronger than the second half. Interesting. Besides from the title track, which is one of the best songs on the album, right? And the closer, but like I think from uh, not counting time to relax, like the first seven songs, like Nitro to Self Esteem, are all amazing, and then after that, pretty good songs, but like. Killboy Powerhead. That's not a song that I'm like going back to outside of the album. Yeah, Killboy. So alone is not also the song I can't even really think about. Like I don't, I don't know how it goes. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't think it was bad, but I don't remember it. Um, but, but then, then we go to the finale, Smash, which is second best, maybe the best song on the album. It's a very good song. Yeah, I'd give it like third. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably put it second behind Help Self Esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a thing about I, I I was listening to the album before Rick recording this. I don't remember what So Alone sounds like. <laughs> yeah, there's some songs in the later half that kind of just blend together. Yeah. That's yeah. my only complaint. Yeah, I know Killboy Powerhead's considered like the filler song of the album, just like to have another track. 
So, yeah, like, yeah, so those a couple songs on the later half that are not, don't yeah. really stick. Yeah, but the rest of them, man. <laughs> like, yeah, Nitro Youth Energy, Nitro parentheses Youth Energy is pretty good. Bad Habits, one of the better ones. Um, I think they re- performed that at, like, an award show or something, which made people mad. <laughs> but it's punk, what are you going to do? Yeah. Gotta Get Away, of course, pretty, pretty good. Genocide, I like it. Not sure if it's everyone's favorite, but I think it's good. Something they believe in, same thing. Um, Come out and play, of course. Huge. Really good song. Love it. Yeah, that was actually how I found Offspring. Because when I was in high school, I had a band, which did not last more than a week, really. And we only rehearsed one time. But the one time we did rehearse, we, they made sure everyone learned how to play Come Out and Play first. And we played that song. And yeah. it was it was pretty good. Yeah, this and, yeah, Come Out and Play specifically, I think, sort of almost it's not the best song of the well it's one of the best songs on the album but like it sort of defines the album because it's got that like you know really unique almost middle eastern riff yeah that's there. that's it's a har- i'm don't quote me on this but i'm like pretty sure it's a harmonic minor riff which is that kind of that whole the middle eastern kind mm-hmm. of egyptian yeah. sound that you hear a lot in like soundtracks and stuff yeah that's like usually harmonic minor scales yeah it's just such a distinct and like unique song that it's it is quintessential you know mm-hmm. like just even that the um the like drums to start it at the very beginning and then the come out and play or you gotta keep them separated like it's really good really unique song that still like fits perfectly with like the punk aesthetic yeah for sure i also think it's interesting obviously the song is about school shootings and all that but it actually started out uh dexter got the idea when he was doing obviously he's very involved in science right he was at college doing his undergrad and he was had to separate some chemicals, and that he said I read an interview that idea popped in his head just for the song that you gotta keep them separated. Yeah, I think th- that I th- popped in yeah. his head, and that's how that song was born, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's really funny how that stuff sort of happens. It's really interesting. And of course, after yeah. come out and play is you know self esteem, one of their biggest songs. Love mm-hmm. it, one of my favorites. The only song I'm willing to do in karaoke. <laughs> yeah, just such a distinct song. Such instantly recognizable when it comes on mm-hmm. just the vocals to start it nah, nah, you know mm-hmm. just great song overall yeah and then like you said after that it, i don't think it ever gets bad but it definitely peters off a little bit like it'll be a long time kill boy powerhead what happened to you decent songs yeah but like they're not as distinct as the first ones and Again, we don't, neither of us remember So Alone. Not the one is decent, I remember. Um, but I think I only remember that one because it was like the last one I listened to while while uh, prepping for this. And then, of course, Smash, the title track. Is, yeah, I love that song. Yeah. The first couple times I listened to the album, like I'd kind of like tuned out by the end of it, so I didn't realize like how good that song is. But like that's that's a really good song. Yeah, and Smash... And I, I think it kind of like embodies the whole culture of like the offspring just like how they don't want to be trendy they just want to do what they want to do yeah yeah sort of encapsulates the whole punk yeah for sure movement the other interesting thing about smash is it's a 10 minute song most of which is yeah most of which is completely silent there's a few i've there's a few like especially from the 90s bands that had like hidden tracks on their albums that was a big thing in the 90s yeah before you know like downloading albums kind of killed that because you can't really have a hidden track yeah, downloaded album, but like a lot of bands would have, 
at the end of their CDs, like, you know, little secret tracks that you weren't listed. Like, I think one of the big ones that started that was Nevermind. Nirvana's Nevermind, they have a song called Endless Nameless that's hidden on the end of their album. And it's basically just them riffing and then destroying their instruments at the end and with Kurt Cobain screaming a little bit. But I think that was a big part of what started the whole hidden track trend. That's cool. I, I, I actually didn't know that. Um, but yeah, Smash, I think, it's like the initial song, and then a few minutes later, it's... It's like some harmonic stuff, right? I think it's genocide. The instrumental to genocide slowed down. Oh, maybe, maybe. I'll go back and listen to it. Um, and then there's another like five minute silence after that, and then it goes into a c- acoustic version of "Come Out and Play." Yeah, yeah. And then at the very end of it, it's um another sort of transitional thing for like ten seconds. It's I think them making fun of people wanting them to start playing heavy metal yeah, or we, something. We did actually talk about the whole the commentator on the album. Yeah, um, yeah old our old timey radio announcer right who has i think like three or four interludes on the album he has the intro time to relax and then i think he says something at the end of genocide yeah 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 so now i'm gonna get into the main question of the podcast does smash by the offspring released in 1994 hold up today I personally think it's distinct punky sound and poignant messages continue to hit, hits all the beats. Um, although there may be an argument to be made that this, the dirtier sound, underground sound, may push some audiences away, or modern audiences at least, away based on taste. And maybe not everyone's happy with the messaging, but that's politics and I don't want to get into that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think if um, people, if everyone was happy with it, it wouldn't be punk. Yeah, it's true. So... I think that's important yeah. for it to have, you know, that little, the grittiness, like the politicalness, like I, most punk is political. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of important. It, this isn't even a super political album, but the parts that are, are very hard hitting. Yeah. So. Especially like it's come compared to like, um, certain quote unquote, I'm making air quotes here. Um, political music nowadays, like. I think what was it Kid Rock who made a song about? Uh, yeah, but that, <laughs> no one, no one listens to Kid Rock anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of political music today is just like kind of like pop anthems that yeah. are very just like very subtly about politics, so it can like still appease a large audience, but aren't actually like really making a statement. They're just yeah. like claiming they do so to get some positive attention. Yeah, it's kind of boring, almost. Well, not boring. It's because it's a matter of taste and everything. And it's not necessarily bad music, but. It doesn't personally hit the same as Smash. Yeah, or I just, I just, yeah, I think if everyone was happy with it, it wouldn't be a strong statement. Right. And punk is all about strong statements. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so final yes or no verdict. Does this ma- does Smash by The Offspring hold up? Yeah. I, I say yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, great album. I love it. Super, super good. All right, uh, Griffin, is there anything else you want to add or uh, say before I close this out? You can tell the greatness of a person by what they get most angry at. So true. So true. Incredible insight. Thank you. All right, so 
thank you to Griffin for taking the time to come record this with me. I truly appreciate it. It's good seeing you. And um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. That will do it for this episode of The Classic Holdup. This has been Nick. I hope you all enjoyed listening. See you around and have a good one. Find The Classic Holdup on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at Audio Video Land for updates, teasers, and behind-the-scenes content of all Audio Video Land productions. The Classic Holdup is an Audio Video Land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.